Welcome back to Financial Freedom 101. Once again, I'm your host, Robert, and this is episode 18. For those of you who've been following our podcast, you will know that we have been talking more and more about property investing over the last few episodes. For us at Wolfpack, this is one of the past ways we have chosen to reach our financial freedom goals. In fact, for many, this is a key strategy to obtaining their financial freedom as it provides them some sort of cash flowing assets for their portfolio. As such, I invited one of my friends to the show to talk about her experiences and her journey towards financial freedom. Please welcome Jocelyn to the show. Jocelyn, how are you doing? Hi, everybody. I'm good. Thank you very much for joining us on the show. Wanted to introduce you to let you talk about your pathway to financial freedom, what you've been doing in the property investment field. We've actually met, it's probably about three or four years ago. As you know, we've set up a meetup group here in Singapore to sort of surround ourselves with like-minded people, to bring together individuals in Singapore that use property investing as a pathway to financial freedom. And Jocelyn was a regular member of these meetup groups uh, prior to the pandemic, that is. And we've gotten to know Jocelyn over the last couple of years, and she's been doing property investing in the UK. So Jocelyn, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and about your journey? So hi, everyone. Okay. In Singapore, I'm a real estate agent. So um, a few years back, I think it was in 2014. (laughs) So that's about eight years ago, right? So that's the year uh, we got married, my husband and myself, right? And I think at that point in time, we were working really hard in our jobs. And at some point, I think it hit us that if this continued, we would never be able to rest till retirement. And even at retirement, we may not have enough of financial assets to you know, keep us enjoying our retirement. So, I mean, that thought really scared us. And I think we took a pause to think through our lives and how we have been managing it. And it really hit us hard that time has been going by and we have not been really living in the moment. So I think through our, I mean, some research and we we came to some discussion and eventually uh, we decided to take on a mentorship to explore investing in property overseas, particularly in the UK. So first thing that we wanted to do was to understand the market better. And then eventually we want to achieve uh, cash flow through property assets in the UK. So um, we went through the mentorship and from then uh, we have achieved of three properties so far. Oh, that's great. And you're investing down south, southern half of the UK, uh, I should say, between somewhere between London and uh, Manchester, correct? You mentioned that you were a property uh, agent or real estate agent here in Singapore. Was that the job you had prior to starting Invest? If if I remember correctly, you were doing something else um, and just recently became a real estate agent. Has, has that actually helped you with your property investment journey? Yes, it has. I mean, having um, property knowledge over here in Singapore has definitely helped. I mean, um, some of the knowledge is definitely transferable. And to understand property here definitely helped me have a better sense of what to look out for when I buy overseas as well. That, that part really helped, I think to have a good property knowledge and you know looking at contracts for example or looking at tenancy agreement is an everyday thing for me here so when i look at it for my uk properties i, I find that it's a lot easier to understand 
And there are certain uh, jargons that are easier to understand as well. Like what is uh, an incumbent or yep. what is, you know, covenant or something like that. Things yep. that are found in the contracts are just much easier to understand. I've talked to a lot of people who, as you know, in our group, uh, our meetup group, we had a lot of brand new property investors. They're not used to looking at contracts. They're not used to dealing with some of the legal stuff that we have to deal with in the property investment field. So everything that they get, they want to have reviewed by a lawyer. And some of this stuff, I, I fully agree with them. If you don't understand it, definitely get a lawyer to inspect because as you know, you know, one wrong move in property investing can cost you a lot of money, whether it's in fines, legal fees, or something else down the road, missed opportunities. And understanding a lot of like the Tennessee agreements, they're all very standard documents, regardless of what, what agents you're using. So being able to look at it, you can easily see if you're used to seeing them, there's no clause in here about being released from the contract, or there's no clause in here about getting your deposit back or what, what things could prevent you from getting your deposit. So some very basic clauses that are in there. If, you, if you're used to seeing it, you can quickly see, hey, this isn't in here. Can we get it put in before we get issue it? Exactly. To a tenant? You, you know, Winnie, my wife, and she's starting to really look at real estate agent stuff here in Singapore as well. And up to about three months ago, she didn't understand a lot of the basic property terms. But as she's been helping her real estate agent friends here do some of the marketing and uh, help find tenants and stuff for some of the properties or buyers for some of the properties, she's gotten more used to it. So now when I say something to her about you know, the square footage of the house, you know, for a double bedroom on an HMO, you need 10.5 square meters. She understands yes. what I'm saying. <laughs> so <laughs> anything you do with property will definitely help you down the road on the property investment journey. Exactly. So you, you mentioned you went to mentorship. You've taken some training, education training. In fact, we actually went through the exact same training previously. I went through it 2016 and I don't know about you, but I thought that training was extremely expensive. I thought it was good knowledge, but it was extremely expensive. What did you think of it? Do you do you regret spending all of that money on property investing? Because I know a lot of people say, you know, why spend the money on property investing when you can buy books, you can go to YouTube and get that mm -hmm. information for free. Right. Um, what do you think? Do you regret spending that that money? Okay, so first and foremost, I agree with you. It was really expensive. Yes. <laughs> so, and both of us went, so the cost was doubled. Yes. So, it was quite a big hurdle and a very big decision to decide to spend this amount of money on education. I mean, that's not even on the property itself, right? Yes. It's the step before we can get into investing proper. Exactly. But I think the truth was, even though we knew about the local market here in Singapore, uh, we were still very new to dealing with overseas properties and we are not there physically, right? Yep. So um, I think if we didn't know about getting ourselves educated, if we didn't know the things uh, that were very important in preventing us from making mistakes, I mean, these mistakes can be very costly, right? Yes. So one wrong move, you could be looking at, a, you know, a fine of 10,000 pounds, you know, things like that. So we wanted to make sure that we were well educated, that we took the necessary uh, precautions. You know, yeah. we, we went in with our eyes open so that um, we can prevent these mistakes as much as we can. So on hindsight, I mean, now that we have gone through it, on hindsight, if you ask me whether I regret it, the answer is no. 
I do not regret it one bit. I mean, yes, it was expensive, but without these education, I wouldn't have gone into investing overseas because I wouldn't have the guts to do it. Yes. Right. So this this um this mentorship not only gave me the knowledge and you know taught me how to do it the proper way and also to give me the context that I needed to get started, but I think more importantly, um, it gave me the courage. Yeah. It takes a lot of courage to put a big sum of money overseas yeah. when you can't see what you are buying. So exactly. I think that was crucial. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. I don't regret spending that money at all. It was a lot of money. Would I spend that amount of money again on the training? Probably not because I now know a lot more than I did that. I know there are other options out there for training. And we spoke right before the podcast that expensive doesn't always mean better. Cheap doesn't always mean worse or bad quality. It's you need to do your due diligence. And there are a lot of good training out there. But if you don't get the right training, you can make a simple mistake that could cost you 10, 15, 20,000 pounds. One of the things that the training did teach you how to do is how to run your numbers properly before purchasing a property, what to look for. And there was a post in one of the meetup groups recently, somebody asking, hey, I have 10,000 pounds, maybe able to stretch it to 15,000 pounds. I want to buy an HMO. How do I get started? Well, if you know how to do your numbers, you know 10,000 pounds is not going to be sufficient. I mean, that won't even cover one, the down payments. But on top of the down payment, you also have legal fees. Right. You have stamp duty taxes. You have brokerage fees. You have renovation fees. You have search fees. You have surveyor fees. Then you have to also account for having enough money left over to pay for tenant buying fees, uh, letting agent fees. You have to have monthly operating expenses set aside just in case that boiler breaks. You have to make sure for an HMO, you got to get fire doors put on. There's three, $400 per door. You know, you have to have all these safety certificates. So the training taught us what regulations we have to follow. It taught us where to find those regulations, and it showed us how to run those numbers. Additionally, I've seen numerous properties out there, I'm sure you have too, just over the last couple of months that are being sold for 10, 15,000 pounds above asking price. But if you run your numbers, mm -hmm. the numbers just do not make sense. People may think that they're getting a great deal, but when you look at the rest of the properties around, you're not. You're at, you could actually lose money. And again, one of the things that the training taught us to do was make your money in the buy. If you're able to buy below market value, find those deals, find the ways to cut expenses to make the money in the buy. And so the training, while expensive, definitely helped prepare us to make sure we knew what we were doing. And like you said, it gave the confidence mm -hmm. to help you get going, especially living overseas, not being there. It's so difficult to buy a property. I mean, we've both done it. Buy a property that you haven't even seen. Trust <laughs> somebody else to actually, hey, here's a property. Here's pictures of the property. What do you think about it? Exactly. You so, have to have people you trust on the ground to be mm -hmm. your eyes and your ears. Exactly. And that's, I personally think for me, that's one of the hardest things to do is give up that responsibility, not freedom, but give up that responsibility. But again, that's what the training is there to help teach you how to vet these people properly, how to find reliable people over there. Mm -hmm. And training so important, especially in this where 
again, 10,000 pounds, you could easily be lost in a matter of minutes if you do something wrong. Just one wrong decision. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You mentioned that you have three properties right now. Um, what, what type of strategy are you using for these properties? Are, are you looking at houses of multiple occupations or HMOs where you rent out the rooms? Are you looking buy to lets, rent to rent, service accommodations? Or what, what other strategies are you looking at for your properties? I would say that um, my husband and myself, we are pretty conservative. So uh, we started off with uh, buy to lets. So they are the most vanilla, simplest yep. way to start up. So we did that for our first property. The second property, we bought it with the intention of converting it to a house of multiple occupancy. So that's HMO. So um, the first one, buy to let, the second one was meant to be a HMO, but because of the COVID crisis, so we let it out as a buy-to-let first, and now we're in the stage of converting it to a HMO for students. Mm-hmm. Then the third one would just be a buy-to-let as well. So mm-hmm. for us, we are not that, um, I would say, adventurous. Yep. We stick with the pre-standard um, ones, but they're very safe, and therefore yep. we stick at night. <laughs> yeah, that's great advice. That's one thing that regardless of who you talk to, what type of investments that you do, whether it's stocks or whether it's going out to do property investing, starting a business, you got to be willing to risk what you're willing to lose. That way you can sleep at night. You want to be comfortable with what you're doing. You want to know what what you're doing is actually good because if you're constantly worried about what's happening to your money, you're not going to be able to sleep. You're not going to be able to let go and let the property do what it's supposed to do. Exactly. Give you that constant cash flow. You're going to constantly be calling up your letting agent. What's going on? What's this? Yes. You you got to be comfortable and be able to sleep at night. That's the same thing we're doing with ours. We got uh, one HMO in our name. We have a joint venture in which we have a buy to let and an HMO. And then we're in the process of purchasing another buy to let. And I like the HMOs and buy to lets because as you said, they are easy to control. They're the ones that create that foundation for you. You get that foundation, you execute the knowledge that you've learned, you've increased the knowledge as you're going through these easier strategies, the buy to lets and the HMOs, you create that foundation, get that cash flow coming in, then you can take those a little bit bigger risks because you're diversifying your, your portfolio, those buy to lets will help cover potential losses of something a little bit more risky, whether you go sort of like a shop house, a dual dual use commercial residential, or maybe you decide to go into a development project or whatnot. Right. I agree. Uh, so it gives you that good foundation, brings you in that nice, consistent cash flow as well, which we all want. We want the cash flow. What's the purpose of owning property if you're not seeing any return from it? Exactly. One one of the things we, we talked a little bit about the challenges with being that international investor. Mm-hmm. In, in your opinion, mm-hmm. what's the largest challenge? What's the largest obstacle that you've had to overcome being an international investor? And how did you manage to do that? Right. Okay. So um, for us, I think, um, firstly, it's difficult not being able to see what you are buying mm-hmm. and not being very familiar with where you're buying. I mean, honestly, we can see it on the on the maps. 
we can research about the plays, we can read all we want about the plays, but because we are not locals, that there are nuances that we don't understand, you know, like which street will rent better, which street will attract um, the kind of tenant you want. But as, um, you know, foreigners, we don't know those little local knowledges that we we would be had. That's a big one. I, I actually looked at a property I thought was great. I mean, exactly. it was on one street and looking at the other house prices, it was like 20,000 below the other house prices. Right. But I, I talked to a person who lived there, who invests mm-hmm. in the area. And they were like, no, that street is all social housing. The street over where you were taking your, your sold comparables for it. I mean, literally the backyards were right next to each other. Uh-huh. Those houses on that street were all family owned homes. Right. And because of that one little nuance, mm-hmm. you know, it was... It was a difference in twenty thousand pounds. Wow! You know, one street over twenty thousand pounds, exactly. and yeah, that that's a that's a key thing to understand. You know, when it comes to international investors, you don't know this stuff. Exactly, it's you hard know to know thing. this stuff. Exactly, the kind of thing you wish you knew, you know, but you don't live there, so it's impossible. Exactly. Right? So um, that's the the first big thing that we don't see it and we don't know it well enough. And the second thing that we find difficult would be finding the right people that we can work with. Letting agents, brokers, um, sourcing agents, estate agents. These are the people that will handle your property and the transactions. And it's not easy to find people that you can trust. If you Google them, you Google estate agent in this particular area, you have so many search results but how do you know how to choose the right one right you know you want someone who's responsive responsible and tells you exactly how things are as honestly as possible instead of just trying to sell you things right so for us our our way of getting around it our solution to it was to only use people that are recommended to us by others that have yep. used it before. So we we trust very strongly in our network here and in the in the word of mouth. So when people tell me they have positive experience with this particular agent, I will trust that person's word on it and I will work with that agent and try it for myself. Yep. But of course, I will do my own research as well to know re- reviews, uh, online feedback about this person. And if all is good, no red flags, we're happy to work with this person. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And that's that's actually why we set up the meetup groups here in Singapore. Mm. I mean, I originally set it up because I came back from the mentorship and realized that the training that we got here in Singapore that led up to that mentorship, it didn't really give you all the proper information. It didn't talk about the stamp duty taxes. It it never talked about the fact that as an international investor, you got you get worse. Uh, interest rates on your loans. So I set up the group to sort of make sure people who went over toward to their mentorships knew this information, but also set it up for people to share recommendations, for mm-hmm. people to work together and help review properties and that that potential investment opportunities. And as you said, I would much rather take a recommendation for a sourcing agent, somebody who finds a property for me, a letting agent, somebody who manages the property for me, a builder to work on the renovation from somebody that I know that I know have has used them as well than to go out and find them. I can go to any property investment group on Facebook. There's hundreds of them for the UK. We're members of multiple of, of the same ones. And you write on there, I need a sourcing agent for this area. 
and you will have 50 people say, hey, I can help find you houses. And that doesn't really mean much. Are they certified? Do they have the proper credentials to be a sourcing agent for one? Who has used them? Who can recommend them? I can do my own due diligence, but if you tell me, hey, I have a sourcing agent I've used in this area, I've had great experience with them, all things being equal, I will use your person over anybody else because you have used them and you know them. In fact, the house that we're in the middle of buying mm-hmm. I, was actually came from the sourcing agent you recommended to us. <laughs> right. I, I had a deal that fell through from a sourcing agent that I had found, I had vetted and did my due diligence on, and then sought out recommendations from a lot of other people. Unfortunately, he came down with COVID and the deal I wanted because he wasn't able to do the work on it. The deal fell through, but the sourcing agent you recommended to me said, Hey, here's a property that just came to us straight from vendor. And I think it matches exactly what you want. Everything looked good, went with them. And it's been great working with the guy over the past couple of months. That is a big obstacle to overcome. Just again, giving up that control to somebody else. And it's so much easier to do it if I know that you have used this person and you have had good results with them. So that that is definitely one key way to manage it. And us at Wolfpack, you know, we're all about the teamwork and mm-hmm. you have to find the team that represents you uh, on the ground. You have to not just there in the UK, it's the team here in Singapore, because again, where am I going to get my recommendations? I know you personally, I, I value your recommendations a lot more than that connection I have on Facebook that I've never actually met in person. I agree. So I agree. It's really powerful networking stuff that we, we have here. I mean, I know people here in Singapore, they've done JVs together. And also we've learned a lot of, from the people who have done stuff here one of the first things we did on bridging loans, I had a had somebody come in and talk about bridging loans before. And they mentioned about all these fees that we didn't know about previously, because it's not something you really learn in, in the training. It's something you have to learn by doing. So they were able to mention, hey, I just took out a bridging loan, but all this interest, you know, the entrance fee, the exit fee, the monthly fees, they take it all out all up front. So they make sure they have their money oh, instead wow. of give it to you. I didn't know that. That that could be, you know, five, six thousand pounds. That now you have to figure out where you're coming up with an additional five to six thousand pounds to meet the requirements. So simple stuff like that, your network who has done it before you mm-hmm. is able to help. Other people we know, maybe not sourcing agents, but uh we had the call with Simon Kerr uh probably about three months or so ago. And he he's not really a sourcing agent, but he's a social housing. Expert. Agent, expert, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's able, he has the connections with social housing. So if you have a place that you can't rent out, there you go. I've met him in person. I've talked to him numerous times. I know a lot of the same people he he knows. I've met and talked to people he's gone to training with. So really great guy, knows the social housing uh, industry in and out. But again, through our network here, I'm able to introduce you to him or mm-hmm. somebody else to him. So now it's a another exit strategy for their property. And again, helps you sleep at night knowing that if one strategy doesn't work, I have another strategy ready to go. Exactly. Yeah. That's really all the questions I I have for you right now. Uh, Definitely appreciate you taking the time out of your day to join us on the podcast and help record this episode. Before we go, just wanting to know if you have 
any last words or any advice that you would like to give to our listeners who may be interested in actually going and doing property investing as part of their journey to financial freedom? Right, right. Um, I think first and foremost, education is important. Um, Don't dive into anything without um, having the proper knowledge first. Get yourself educated. Um, Read up as much as you can and speak with like-minded people who have done it before you and succeeded in doing so. Learn from them, their mistakes, their successes uh, before you try to put money into anything. And education can be expensive, but um, I think it's worth it to go through it before doing anything. Another thing is to take action. I think a lot of us think about, okay, financial freedom. Yeah, yeah, I'm working towards it. But unless we decide and really put our foot down to take action and uh, go ahead with it, I think we'll be stuck in you know that, that thought process but never really do anything. Yeah. We'll just not proceed and move forward. Exactly. Uh, our next podcast episode is actually going to be talking about the importance of training and implementation of that training. Because I'm sure you know a lot of people like I do who have gone to the same mentorship program that we have gone to, then have come back and just haven't done it. Haven't done anything. They've wasted all of that money because they didn't want to implement it. Whether it's nerves, whether it's they're just unsure about it. Mm -hmm. There's, There's a lot of ways to get started. You and I did sort of got started the same way. We did like an earn and learn program. May not have had enough money to do our own projects, but we wanted to get out there. We wanted to see this, the process that we have learned that we spent so much money learning actually put into action. So doing the earn and learn program was great. Got a small return, but we got to see the process in action. Give us, gave us just a little bit more confidence to go ahead and I don't know about you, but when I wrote that check for 90,000 pounds to buy our first property in cash, <laughs> I, I I couldn't get that pin close enough to the paper to actually make a mark on it. I, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I had never, one, I'd never actually wrote a check for that amount. Um, I, I thought spending 25,000 US dollars on a brand new car was difficult many years ago. That's nothing compared to writing that check for you know a house. Right. Um, but being able to work with those individuals who have done it before you, mm-hmm. who have succeeded, who who have gone through the journey and see what you have learned actually put into action, it does help. It does give you the confidence. But like you said, you miss a hundred percent of the opportunities you don't take. That first one is always the hardest. Yes. But once you get over that hurdle, we purchased that first property. We there was another property that came on and it was like, I like this property, I've done the numbers, I feel confident. Mm-hmm. I don't have enough money to buy it, but I did a JV. It's like, okay, here's the check. I wrote the check, gave it to him. It, it was so much easier. Purchasing this, this next property, much easier than doing that JV. So it does get easier. You do get more confidence. Exactly. But again, you just have to take that action. That first um, step. Yep. And having that training, I know at the very beginning we talked about uh, all that free training you can get, the YouTube videos, the books. Nothing replaces that face-to-face training, that training that you can, hey, I don't understand what this equation is about. Can you explain this equation? Can you explain what additional stuff I have to factor in for my numbers? Um, being able to ask that question in real time and getting the answer right back, there's, there's nothing that can replace that. Once you have that basic information, now you go to the YouTube. 
Now you go buy the books and you read up to build your skills. Education isn't free. You have to get good education to be able to do something like this. Get that foundational knowledge, then execute. Agree. 100%. Thank you again so much for taking the time out of your day. I know busy day. You actually have an appointment to run to right after this. Um, my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. So r- really appreciate your time on this. For for the listeners, I hope you had a great time listening to this episode. I hope you got something good out of it. And if you have any questions or you want to see more guests such as Jocelyn and or maybe even other vendors, you can go to our website, drop us a note, let us know what type of episodes you would want to see next. Thank you again for taking the time listening to this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And until next time, have a great week ahead.